Well, again, good morning, and thank you all for coming out today, and what a great day it is to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, some of you I know are still suffering from March madness, and I guess it's just really come down to you being mad now because your teams went home, right? That's kind of what it's turned into for uh, us, except if you're a Virginia or Texas Tech fan, and and if so, uh, you're one of the odd ones around here because most everybody else likes Carolina or Duke uh, or NC State. How many NC State fans in here? That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving right along, we are so glad to have all of you here. And as they turn the house lights up a little bit, I'm going to ask you to grab your handouts and uh, pen or pencil, something to write with and take notes. Because on one side is this really great place to take some notes. And uh, at the bottom of that is just a little info card. Those of you visiting for the first time, we are so glad you're here. Welcome you. If you just fill that out, you can drop it at the, uh, the welcome station as you leave. And we'd just like to have a little record of your being here. And if you have a prayer request, on the other side at the bottom is a place to do that as well, and we welcome those requests as we pray diligently each week for everyone who reaches out and lets us know. Uh, you're here at a good time, but I'm going to be honest with you. Don't you like it when a preacher's honest with you? Because they're not always. <laughs> I mean, just, just be honest, right? Okay. Yes, we like honesty. Every Sunday is a good time to be here. Tell your neighbor that. Okay, half of you did. Now the rest of you try it. Tell your neighbor, every Sunday is a good Sunday to be here. This Sunday, we are kicking off a brand new study, as Tim shared in our announcements earlier in the video. How many of you are in here for the announcement video? Okay, not enough of you. Get in here at 10 o'clock. That's when things kick off, and man, it gets popping. So he said that we're starting a new study, and that's exactly what we are doing this morning. And on the other side of your handout, actually the side that you're supposed to be on with the notes, it says what at the top? That's pretty good. How about the rest of you? It says what? I mean, a second grade education is really all you need right there. So our story, and there's something about stories, especially good ones, right? We really don't like bad ones, and all kids love stories. How many of you kids uh, watch stories on some type of video uh, display that you have, whether it be your phone, iPad, television, whatever it is? I mean, but it's not just kids. Adults, we love stories as well. They entertain us. They teach us. They inspire us. They provoke us at times, and stories are containers of, of truth. And neurology and, and the social sciences are now confirming what our best philosophers, storytellers, and artists have always known to be true. And that is this. As human beings, and how many of you in this room are human beings? Just show of hands, okay? About 95% of you. The rest of you, we're not sure. Okay. As human beings, our brains are hardwired for stories. Stories are the way that we make sense of the world and understand our place in it. Stories define us and shape the way that we live. We are story formed creatures. Let me take a, another quick poll here. How many of you, by a show of hands, are readers? You, you love to, to grab a good book and, and cozy up on a couch or out on a beach chair on the beach and, and just get lost in, in a book. Uh, keep your hands up. Okay. Less than what I was thinking, but there's, now how many of you are movie people and, and you love to get the popcorn, the candy, and, and that big old five-gallon jug of Coca-Cola they sell you for 350 bucks and, and, and just settle in for a, a good movie, right? Hold those hands up high. Okay, that, that's more than the readers, unfortunately, but you know, it's, it's the truth. Um, well, let me ask this one last category. I hadn't planned on asking about how many of you are, are TV watchers? I mean, okay, now we're getting more and more people involved here. I mean, you know, what about, uh, what about any of you remember Dallas? And the big question, the cliffhanger was, ah, you do remember that. Who shot JR? 
Well, well what about this? This is a story all about how my life got twisted, turned upside. I mean, it, it says it in the opening song. It's a story. Movies are, are stories, and, and books, they contain what? Stories that we get lost in that, that really touch us and, and just entertain us and, and speak to us. They all contain some type of story. And the reality is, someone once said that before we can answer the question, who am I and what am I here to do, we must first answer the question, what story or stories am I a part of? Would you write that down? What story or stories am I a part of? Because that's going to really tell us a lot about how we're living right now in the moment. The truth is we all live and sometimes die by the stories that we tell ourselves and, and others. And, and there are so many stories that are clamoring to define us and shape the way that we live. How about this little list? Stories in the larger culture tell us what we have to be or do to be loved and accepted. Now, now I want, I want, I want to speak to a certain group of people, but all of us in general here. that The stories that are clamoring to tell us what we have to be or do to be loved and accepted. No greater pressure is there than when you walk into the hallways of a what we call today middle school. And all of a sudden you see the stories there in front of you. You see the prep stories. I mean, all these people with these little creatures on their, their little polo shirts and their little shorts now that are, are ever creeping up higher. And why, I don't know. These are guys I'm talking about, not just the girls anymore. And they got their little boat shoes where their little shoelaces twirled the right way. And they're walking around strutting with their hair parted on one side, cut real show, real close to that side. And, and they're looking like, hey, are you one of us or not? And then you got the, the jocks over there that's got the, the football uniform jersey on. They're wearing that down the hall going, yo, what's up? I want to hit somebody. And then you got the druggies over in the corner trying to hide going, man, you got some. I got some. You want some? I'll give you some. You give me some. You didn't laugh as much as that, but that's the truth. And then you got the lost people over there just going, where, where, where do I fit in? But the reality is those stories are just waiting to, to squeeze our kids into their mold. I've got to join this group, then I've got to look like this, act like this, do these things. If I want to be a part of this group, then I've got to be totally opposite. But the reality is that everybody wants to fit in somewhere. So they're going to go and choose where they can, can get in the easiest or, or where they want to be and what they feel like they, they just got to be a part of this group or this social structure or, or this club or this, this gang or whatever it may be. They want to be a part of a story. And there's that pressure constantly, but it's not only on middle schoolers, it's on high schoolers. And guess what? All of us past schoolers, I'll just call us, it's on us as well. What neighborhood am I going to live in? What am I going to drive? How am I going to act? What am I going to put on my body? And, and how are people going to accept me? And I want to be a part of this group. I want to run with this pack, and I, I want to fit in here. So stories, they, they try to squeeze us into a mold so to speak, stories in our own family or of origin that, that we carry with us well into adulthood. What about that? Well, I come from this family. Well, you know about that family's history, and I guess you're a part of it because you belong to it. You came from it. They produced you, so you're probably just like your mom, your dad, your grandpa, your grandma, your great, 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 and so on and so forth. You come from a family of liars. You come from a family of thieves. You come from a family of losers or whatever it may be, and so they tag you with that, and they try to squeeze you into that same story that your family has been a part of. Any of this making sense so far? What about stories in our heads 
that tend to define us and color the way that we see God and ourselves and, and the world around us. Thoughts that just kind of dominate our minds and say, God doesn't really love us. God made a mistake with us. God forgot me. God fill in the blank. I'm, I'm not as good as so-and-so. I, I'll never achieve this. I'll never be that. I'll never be able to do what so-and-so, you know, and on and on and on. Those stories are playing right here between our, our two little ears, right? And boy, they have a big impact on, look at me, look at me, look at me. Don't miss this this morning. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, you need to hear what God is saying to you today. Because stories are powerful. And what these stories want to do is tear us down. And that's why the Word of God tells us, take every vain thought captive. If it's against what God's story is for your life, then take it captive and throw it out of your life. Do not let it reside between your ears. But that's what happens. It, it comes and it wants to dominate our thinking and tell us who we're going to be and, and how we're going to be in our lives. And listen to me, when these stories are false, and what is truth? Let's just define the baseline. Now, what is truth? What's that? Somebody had it right over here. What? The Word of God, thank you so much, is truth. Everything contrary to that is what? If it's not true, it's, it's not true, it's, you're waiting for me to drop the mic, but I'm trying not to. It's not true, it's false. Everything contrary to that. These stories are false. They come at us. They can put us in bondage. As Pastor, Pastor um, what's your name again? Joseph. Okay. Pastor Joseph said they can get us stuck. They can imprison us. They can hold us in that place of captivity and have a terrible impact on the way that, that we live our lives. In her book, Rising Strong, Bren Brown says that we all have stories that we're telling ourselves, and until we get honest and own them, they will continue to define us. When we let the false stories define us, then it prevents us from moving into another story. How many of you say, man, I'm ready for another story? Three of you. Come on, it's got to be more than that. Okay, I see more hands creeping. You're not really wanting to say anything, but you're like, yes. If you're ready to move into another story, then I just want you to write that down on your outline somewhere. I'm ready to move to a new story. Because that's exactly what you're declaring there as your goal, as your purpose, saying, God, this is my prayer. I want to move into a different story than where I'm at right now because the one I'm living right now, frankly, is pretty miserable. And I don't want to be miserable. So we let those false stories define us. It prevents us from moving into another story, a better and a true story, a story that leads to life, healing, freedom, and joy. And I don't know about you, but that's the only story I want to ever live in my life. Life, freedom, health, and joy. What a beautiful thing in the story that we're talking about today is the story that the, the Word of God tells us about this. Who God is and who we are. It's as simple as that. We get in touch with who God really is and who we are in God then you know what? Our story dramatically changes for the better. It doesn't matter what's happened to us in our past. It doesn't matter what so-and-so did to us. It doesn't matter what this world tries to squeeze us into the narrative that they want us to be in. We don't allow those things to dictate our story any longer. We move those out. We free ourselves from them, and we begin living the truth. And I want to tell you, you can handle the truth, church. I love that line. I just keep bringing it up again. I know. The truth, the story we were meant to live. Doesn't that sound great? 
Okay, that was a question. Whew. Come on, people. I know you're a little slow, but you're not that slow, okay? So as we begin this study, I want you to be confident, first thing on your outline there, that we put there for you that there is an incredible author to this story. You see, the Bible is ultimately a story about God, but it's also our story. It's kind of fitting that we name this study that God puts us in the story. We see ourselves in the quirky, beautiful, and broken cast of characters that we meet all throughout the Bible, and we also find our truest selves, what it means to be fully human and fully alive in the biblical story that we have. So today we begin a journey of learning how to get into God's story and also how to get God's story fully into us. We're going to spend this month in a study called Our Story, and Easter Sunday is going to be a very special part of this study. So let me, let me just give you this. You do not need to miss Easter Sunday. You need to bring as many people with you as you can on Easter Sunday to hear the amazing part of the story that will change lives for eternity. So let's quickly hear how God's story and our story begin. So, so just listen as I read out of Genesis. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Genesis chapter 2, beginning in the second part of verse 4. And we're going to read certain sections of chapter 2. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. That's where we enter the picture, church, if you hadn't figured that part out as of yet. And then the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the, of the knowledge of good and evil. Now we're going to bounce over to verse 15 and pick up from there. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely what? Die. Thank you. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Hallelujah to that. Sorry, that's not in there. That's just the way I feel. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. I wonder how he came up with giraffe and hippopotamus, but it's a different sermon. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, the birds of the air, and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept and he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woo man. Yeah, okay. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Whew. A lot of good stuff there. A lot of good stuff. What a what an author we have who created all this. And we are formed by God for his glory and his purposes. And there are two keys or uh, two key sets of questions that I believe we've got to ask every time that we 
engage any part of, of Scripture. First and foremost, what does the story tell us about God? I mean, God is not just a storyteller. God is also the writer and the main character in every page of this story. So we have to ask, what does this story tell me about who God is and what God is like? What his character is like? And what does it tell us about what God has done and is doing and will do? God's action and purposes is called, again, the truth. The, and remember, the, the truth shall set you what? Free. So know the truth of who God is by knowing our story. And then second set of questions we have to ask, only after we ask these questions can we ask this one, and, and that is, what does the story tell us about ourselves? What does this tell us about who we are in light of who God is and what God is doing? What does this story tell us about who we are and how we are called to respond to what God is doing? What does it tell us about our relationship to the world that we live in? Well, these two sets of questions are the most important questions we must keep in front of us if we are to read and understand the Bible faithfully. You got that? What does it tell us about God? What does it tell us about us? So we're asking these questions from our story today in Genesis 2. And first, what does this creation story tell us about God? Well, it's fascinating that we have kind of two different creation stories in the book of Genesis. The first in Genesis 1 gives us a picture of a transcendent creator who is awesome in power and majesty, a God who creates the entire universe and everything in it by the sheer power of his word and his spirit. If you will this week, go back and read through chapter 1 where you'll see things like God says, let it be, and what? It happens. Let there be light, and boop, there's light. And how amazing is that? And after each act of creation, God declares these words, it is good. And then the first story of creation gives us a cosmic bird's eye view, like we're, we're getting a view of God, God's creative act from the Hubble Space Telescope. And we're pulled into the wonder and the awe of swirling galaxies and spinning planets and fiery stars and the earth suddenly exploding with vegetation and flowers and all kinds of living creatures. And, and how amazing that is. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there on the day of creation? And witness that firsthand. So that's the, the first account of creation. But the second creation story in Genesis chapter 2 gives us a little bit of a different picture. And our beginning did not start there on your outlines on our birthdays. Have you ever thought of that? Your beginning did not start on the day that you were birthed onto this planet. That's, that's far from it. So we see that we're thought of at creation. And the Bible literally says that before we were ever in our mother's womb, God knew us personally and he had what? He had plans for us. If you don't believe that, that's found in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. And what he says to the prophet Jeremiah applies to every single one of us. Before you were even thought of by your parents, I thought of you. Before they even had any plans for you, I had plans for you. So we didn't just start, whoop, the moment we came out of the birth canal, right? It was long before that moment in history. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But Genesis chapter 2 kind of changes the order and says, In the day the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Some people might say, well, which one is right? It, well, here's, here's the thing. Genesis chapter 2 gives us a picture of a God who is imminent, a God who is not far off in the distance, but who is present with us. I love the fact that in Genesis chapter 2, it literally says God got his hands dirty. He got down in the dirt and made who? Adam made man. Women, you have it much better. You came out of us. We're, we're made out of mud pies. You guys are made out of our rib, out of our side. So I guess that's a little better. 
But I love the fact that God got his hands dirty. So which one is right? Is God transcendent, the God up there creating the, the heavens and the earth, the stars, the universe, the galaxy? Or, or, or is he the one down here playing in the dirt and creating man and saying, here, this is good? Well, the answer to that is they are both correct. These two stories go hand in hand together. They tell us something about who God is and how God is at work in human history that will carry us through the entire biblical narrative and reaches its climax in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, the transcendent, all-powerful God who created the heavens and the earth is also an imminent and personal God. Listen to this. A God who literally puts himself in the story and has come to be with us. Don't you love that? Yes, we love that. God with us. Emmanuel. 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 Our kids did that musical at Christmas a couple years ago. That's all I can think about when I say that. You see, the story of the Bible, look at me, church, is ultimately about the God who is Emmanuel. It is literally about the God who is with us and the God who is for us. So hear this today and never let it leave you. Whenever you're tempted to think that God doesn't care, that he doesn't even know you're here, that, that he's forgotten all about you, that is a lie from the pit of hell itself. God knows you. He created you. He formed you and put you in your mother's womb. He had plans for you far, far, far longer than you were even thought of by your parents, as I said a moment ago. And he wants to see all of that come to fruition in and through your life. He knows you. He cares about you. And he loves you with an everlasting love. And he will not ever change his mind about you. That's the gospel truth. That's the God who came down and is with us right now. If we will understand that and grab a hold of that reality and not let this world tell us the lies that the enemy tries to use to destroy us. So here's the big entire plot of this, this wonderful story that we're living. Are you ready for it? It's, it's under letter C on your outline. This incredible story tells us that God created us for relationship with him. God created us for relationship with him, us and him. Folks, this is a God who desires a vital, intimate relationship with us and with all of creation. God created human beings, Adam and Eve, in his image and his likeness for the purpose of experiencing communion with himself, to know God and be known by God. I can't tell you enough. We see God's purpose not just for his relationship with us, but for all of creation. This vision of, of peace that God had, which is about all of creation flourishing, enjoying harmony, and being made whole. You know, if you don't believe that, then the Bible tells us there's coming a day where the lion and the lamb will lay down together. They will no more be at odds with each other. Isn't that incredible? I mean, right now, they're mortal enemies. Right now, the lamb would be lamb chops if it got too close to the lion. It would be a good hearty meal for him depending on how big the lamb is. But there's coming a day that peace is going to come again to the entire universe, all of creation. When this is restored by God himself and the enemy is defeated once and for all. And this, as we know it, as time ends and the eternity begins with God, then everything's going to be set right again. Not just us being made perfect and whole, beautiful and Right, as in the creation, but all of God's creation. There's a whole lot more we could say about God in the story, but 
the most important thing I want to say today is Genesis 2 gives us a picture of a creator, of a God who is not watching from a distance, but who is intimately present. God with us. I really believe in my heart that some of you this week need to just keep reminding yourself of that. And not just say with us, but you need to repeat over and over to yourself, God with me. God is with me. God loves me. God hasn't pushed me aside. God hasn't forgotten about me. God is not ignoring me. God is with me. You need to own that and make that your own. When you're walking to your office where you know there's a bunch of junk going on, you need to walk in there confidently and say, I know that God is with me. Just as Daniel marched into the lion's den with no fear or reservation, somehow, some way, and the way and the how was that he knew that God was with him. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were about to be thrown in that fiery furnace, the way that they could go in there and not be afraid and not run for their lives, and not say, don't throw me, get me out of here, and hold on to the edge of that door, saying, no, I'm not going, no. The way that they could do that was that they knew God was with them. That he's the God that has promised once again, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I know you. I love you. And I want to be close to you. Old story I heard many years ago, husband and wife. Been married for about 40 years, driving the same old pickup truck that Earl kept going all those years. And wife spoke up as they were riding down the road and she was over on her side, and Earl was behind the wheel, and she's like, Earl, just don't understand. All them years ago when we first got married, we were so close, riding side by side in this old truck. Now look at us. Earl never missed a beat. He just looked over and said, I didn't move. You're getting that now, right, Joe? Took a few seconds, but... Folks, God never moves. He's the same yesterday, whoop, today, whoop, and forever. If you had not figured it out, I just like making that noise when I'm up here. The creator who is not watching from a distance wants to live in relationship with us. Listen, the Bible tells us when he created Adam and then brought Eve, he placed him in that garden, Right? And he would come down in the cool of the day. And what would he do, church? He'd walk with them and talk with them. Hanging out with God. Wow. God. I, I just can't even wrap my little mind around it, but that's what God desires with all of us. To hang out with, to know us. To live that close, to live better than your little BFF here on this dirt ball planet called Earth. He wants to be even closer to you than that. As close as you are maybe to your mom or your dad or whomever it is. He wants to be even closer to you than, than you are with them. That is how much God thinks about you. That's how much he loves you. That is why he created you and me. To live in that flourishing, powerful relationship. Last song in your outline is, what does this story tell us about? ourselves it's it, it's this it's so important to believe the correct narrative the, the right story it tells us that God is God first of all and we are not 
It tells us that we've been created in the image and likeness of God, however, and formed from the very dust of the, of the ground. And, and, and if you didn't know, there's a little bit of a word play here in the, in the Hebrew that gets kind of lost in our translation. The, the Hebrew word for ground is adamah, A-D-A-M-A-H. And the Hebrew word for man is what? Adam. Adam is formed from the adamah. God breathes his very breath into us and sustains every moment of life that we are blessed to take and have. Church, I'm telling you, this story tells us that we've been made for relationship with God, that we can only truly flourish in that relationship with him, and that our truest identity is that we are image bearers of God, the very children of God. So here's the reality of it. We talked a little bit earlier about how this world wants to squeeze us into its image. It wants us to look like it, act like it, talk like that. My father-in-law was, was, was at my house yesterday hanging out with us, and we were just sitting down. And, man, there's a lot of wisdom and, and, and these, these folks that, that we kind of just don't listen to. And he's sitting down and he said, I'm telling you, Robert, I was eating, eating lunch the other day at Bojangles. And I think he eats there about every day for lunch. And he said, I was sitting there and these two young guys come behind me. And, and if it wasn't D-A-M-N and F-U and all that, they wouldn't have had any words to, to communicate with each other. That's all they used in speaking to each other. You got to talk like us. You got to look like us. You got to listen to the same music we listen to. You got to do all that. No, that's not it at all. How does the image of God jive with that junk of the world? How does, does it? It, it doesn't. It, it's contrasting. It's, it's contradicting. It's, it's butting heads because God is not that. God is not that poison, those lies, that, that junk that this world wants to sell us and, and squeeze us with. God is beauty. God is truth. God is holiness. God is righteousness. God said, if you'll come and find your true self in and through me, you will really know what life is all about. Run from this world's ways. Run from the poison that it wants to spew in you and through you and wants to destroy you with. And you don't even realize it's happening. And it's not just to our precious teenagers now. It's, it's, it's oozed down into the elementary school ages. And it's crept into our adults like a bitter, bitter poison. Listen, we've got to find our true identity, that we are image bearers of God, his kids. Our little guy asked yesterday, 10 years old, when am I getting a phone? I don't dance, thank you. <laughs> to which his mom said, uh, not for a long, long, long time. Well, my friend Charlie has a phone in my class, my grade. She learned this from me. She said, what's your name? Devin. What's your last name? Thompson. That's who you are. We don't give phones to 10-year-olds. It'll be a while. You understand? When the enemy comes and tells you, when are you going to do this? When are you going to act like this? When are you going to say these things? When are you going to put these things into your body? You need to remind the enemy of who you are. The God of heaven created me. My God, the creator of everything, is my dad. I bear his image. I am in his likeness. 
I am grafted into the vine. I am a part of the family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God as we used to sing many, many years ago. Therefore, I will not, I do not, and I choose not to partake in what you are trying to squeeze me into. No, 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 no is the answer. Or do we just go along with it and go with the flow? I'm telling you, folks, that's not who we are. In his best-selling book many years ago, Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church, The Purpose Driven Life, many of you have probably read it, he put this statement in there, and it is powerful. We have been created by God and for God, and until we understand this, our lives will never, ever, ever make sense. Never! Many of you are wondering why you have no purpose. You, you don't know what you're here for, why you're floundering, why, why you're struggling, why emotionally you just can't get it together. The reason why is because you do not know who you are and you do not understand whose you truly are. You don't know that God created you, that God is your dad, that God loves you, that God wants you, that God is, is, is just loving you with everything that he has. And that's why you were created. And your purpose your reason for existence is only found in and through him. And until you grab that and make that your own, you will be struggling. You will be floundering. You will be confused. You will be lost. You will be tormented. You will be tossed around. To be formed in the image of God is to experience right relationship with God. It's also, listen to me very carefully, to experience right relationship with one another. You see, because God not only made us for himself, but he also made us for community. It is not good for man to be alone. Remember that statement? And that's the God's honest truth. We get ourselves in some trouble when we isolate ourselves. So I will make him a helper as a partner. So as we talked about in red, God forms Eve out of Adam's rib. And I like to call it prime rib. <laughs> right, ladies? I'm trying to get out of the doghouse, so, you know, that might help a little bit. So he made Eve out of, out of Adam's rib, and he called her the suitable helper, which must not be misunderstood as one who is inferior or subservient to man. No, not at all. The Hebrew word for helper is Ezer, which is used most often in the Old Testament in reference to God himself. God is our helper, Ezer, the psalmist declared in his writings. When the story tells us that Eve is Adam's helper, what it really means is this, is that she's intended to be a physical representation of God to Adam, and he as well is supposed to be a, a physical representation of God to her. The two experience such Flourishing, flourishing intimacy that they truly become one powerful team helping each other as God himself helps us. Does that make sense? Thank you, three of you. This passage is used in reference to marriage, which is right, but it also points beyond marriage to all relationships, the way that God intends for them to be. You know what he intends for relationships to be? Places of peace and safety. Places where we exhibit God's character and heart to each other. Now, how often does that happen? Be honest. I mean, is there somebody that you can go to and say, man, here it is. Here's my stuff. I've just been dealing with this, and I just needed to share it within a community. Somebody that cares about me and loves me. And you know in your heart of hearts that that person is going to be like a vault. I got you right here. Yep, yep, it's good. I, I, it's safe with me. 
unfortunately, we've turned into the Jerry Springer Society. Where, where somebody will tell you to, oh, I got you. I, you know, oh, it's right here. As soon as you leave, they're picking up that phone. You ain't going to believe what I just heard. So-and-so, yeah, you know, you know, John, yeah, he, well, he just told me all this. Can you believe that? You need to put that out. Let everybody know what's going on with John because we, we, we need to watch out for him. I mean, it, it, that's not what this is all about. You're not doing it right, as the old lady said on the commercial. We are to exhibit God's character in his heart. His heart is trusty. It's trustworthy. We can, we can trust God. He is our confidant. He's our, our strong tower. He's our, our safety. He's our, our refuge. He's all those things. And see, what, what God is saying here in, in the creation of, of man is that, that it, it goes beyond marriage. Marriage is a wonderful thing, and all those things apply to our, our, our marriages as well. However, it goes beyond that to, to relationships with each other as well. So to be formed in the image of God is to be made for a relationship with God and one another. But there is one last thing I want to say about this. And it's also about being called to a vocation. I know that's become a dirty word in our society now because hardly anybody wants to work anymore. Plenty of jobs out there, too many lazy people to take them. A larger purpose in God's world. God formed Adam and Eve and he placed them in a garden to do what? Work it, till it, take care of it. Get your hands dirty. Do some stuff. you got a purpose. i got a plan for you. And it's not to sit back in your easy chair and watch your stories every afternoon. What's happening on General Hospital? Doctor so-and-so and nurse so-and-so finally hook up. That ain't what it's all about. It's about being about the Father's business. And that's not only spiritual, that's physical as well. Do something if you're able to. If you're able body, you can work. Get out there and work. Plow that field. Till it up, man. Pick that fruit. Plant it again. Do the same thing over and over. Do what God's called you to do. He's called us to use the gifts and talents, the energies and the resources that he has equipped us with. Lazy people just drive me nuts. I, I don't understand it. God gave Adam and Eve a purpose of joining with him as sub-creators and stewards who care for the world and promote God's presence and peace. That's what he's called us to. That's what we're to be about. Man, you look at these, these amazing buildings that are built out here. You look at these cars that can pretty much so drive themselves now. I don't understand that. I don't like that car yelling at me when I veer across the lane just a little bit. I like to have my freedom to, to roam around and, and enjoy the, the full, full area of the lane, don't you? You get just to the edge of that little line, beep, beep, beep. That's my wife's car. I, I, I just tell her for now, I'm not driving. You can chauffeur me around this. I'll take my old truck. That thing don't beep at me, holler at me. It just keeps on trucking, baby. <sighs> riding down the road. Not riding dirty because that ain't right. We're just riding down the road. I don't even know where I was at, but I'm going to try to get back on track. I'm still trying. We have a purpose in God and through God to be faithful stewards of all that God has called us to. I'm going to tell you something. If we all as God's people, as Christ's followers, as disciples who pick up our crosses and truly follow after him, would raise ourselves, rise to the level of our potential, <laughs> man, oh man, oh man, what, what would happen? What would happen if we, 
elevated to the, to the full potential that God created us for. Can you answer me that? I can't even answer it, but I know what? I know this. It would be far, far, far greater than where we're living at right now. So what about making that a bold prayer request? Not for your glory, for God's glory. God, let me live up to the potential that you place within me, God, which is really unlimited. Why? Because we can do all things whoop, through Christ who is our. Y'all weak as water. Is our strength. Is our power. Is our source. Is our enablement. All those things. We can do everything in and through Christ Jesus. Because that's why we were created. Listen. Next week's going to be a tough week in this study. We're going to truly walk through how the story turns really tragic before it gets better. But this week, folks, I just want to close by asking you this. What if you could step into a different story, a better story and a truer story? What if instead of telling yourself, I'm not good enough, you would choose to believe that God is truly enough. And because you are loved by him, that makes you more than enough. What if instead of trying so hard to prove yourself and earn the approval of others, you, you simply receive what God has already done for you in Christ Jesus and let that free you to live. Let it free you to live with the assurance that you are truly accepted by God. What if rather than living a self-centered life, chasing the whims of your, your heart, trying to find fulfillment in every empty thing out there, you die to yourself and you let your life get lost in the larger purposes and plans of God, looking for ways to serve Him and others every single day. What if rather than trying to be the author of your own story, you let God take the pen and start writing, trusting that He's a much better storyteller than you and I will ever be. What if? What if? What if we really, 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 really got serious about being a Christ follower? What if we really took everything God said and did for us and just wrapped our arms around it and would not let it go? What if? I mean, are you listening to me right now? How would your life change? How would the lives of others who do life with you change because you took that to heart and you made it your own? What if? What if you got out of the way and said, God, you come and write that story in and through me, God. I am a piece of blank paper. I'm going to lay myself on the table, and you begin writing the masterpiece that you want in me and for me. What if? Or what if we just said, well, some interesting stuff pastor said today, and Golden Corral's open, so... I'm just going to wait for him to let me out so I can go get in line and stay where I'm at. Stay in my lane. If you would just not even close your eyes. If you would just say in this moment that I truly believe God's speaking to all of our hearts in this room and those of you who are watching right now. It's not going to be what if, it's going to be yes. Yes, I will. And if that's the decision you are making right now, that you're ready to hand the pen over to God and let Him 
fully write his story in you and through you. Would you just join me right here at the front of this church right now? No eyes closed, no heads bowed. <laughs> not, not, not that that stuff's bad. It's just not the way we're going to do it right now. Worship team, if you would come and prepare to, to minister one more time this morning. And as all of these folks are making their way down to answer the question of what if, by saying yes, definitely, God, you take, take the pen, you write the story. How many others will come and join these that are gathered here at the front of this church right now and say, I'm not missing out on this opportunity? Maybe you've already declared that. You just want to publicly make it known this morning, and you're going you're gonna to come and stand at this, this altar place as well. So as you're making your way down this morning, thank you for that. Thank you for that. I just really believe there's a few more that's supposed to join us this morning, so I'm going to give just another moment as we begin to, to prepare to pray and, and then worship together one more time. So if that's you this morning, the Holy Spirit is, is dealing with your heart, no matter how young or old you are, would you just come, make your way down front as well and say, yep, God, I surrender. We sang that this morning, but do we really, really believe that? I surrender. It's all yours, Lord. You take it. Would there be any others that would join these down here this morning in making that declaration in your own life? Now's your time. If not, I want to ask everybody to stand across this room. You've seen who's made their way down front. Maybe the Lord's put on your heart to come and pray with and for somebody at the front. And I really hope he has, because that's part of living in community. Would you just make your way down now and rally around these that are, that are at the front of this church that are making this incredible, incredible declaration and commitment to the Lord this morning. I need men and women to respond right now and come and stand with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't wait. Don't think somebody else is going to do it. You get your rear end out of where you're standing, and you come now. And you stand with your family, okay? You're saying, Pastor, you're getting a little stern. <laughs> yep, I am. This is this is serious stuff, folks. We're not playing games out on the on the playground right now. We're doing battle in the name of the Lord. So who will come and pray for these these folks here in the middle? Who will come and stand and say, Hey, they're my family. I'm with them. I'm for them. Who will come and do that right now? I don't see enough people moving. I'm not gonna pray until you get yourself down here and help. Some of you are getting really uncomfortable right now. That's okay. God likes it when we get uncomfortable. He moves us out of ourself and our stuff and our pride and our, our junk. And he says, go and be obedient. I don't care if you like it or not. Go and be obedient. Step out. Be faithful. Be true. Be for me. That's who I am. Got to be the first one down here with arms wrapped around these folks. Loving on them, praying for them. What about us? Are we still just standing still? Would you move now? I'm going to pray in just a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, God, what a, a powerful word today. What a strong word. What a strong anointing here. For far too long, far too many have settled for the wrong story. And God, you're changing that today. We see proof of it. 
All around the front of this church, we see people who are hungry to see the story changed, to see them in a brand new story and that old story be done away with, be thrown in the garbage where it belongs, God. And the truth went out of who you are and who we are in you and through you. God, thank you for obedience because obedience is better than sacrifice. Your word tells us that. And God, we've got a bunch of people in this room right now, and I believe a bunch of people watching right now who are hungry for truth, hungry to be obedient, hungry to say yes to you whenever you call us to, to whatever it is, God, no matter what it is. So right now, God, I thank you for the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage and sets your people free. I thank you for people who are saying, yes, God, I will go. Yes, God, I will hand you the pen. Yes, God, I make myself a ready piece of paper for you to write your story on and live it through. God, thank you for that today. That the lies of the enemy are just that. They are lies and they are defeated in Jesus' name. By the blood that flowed down Calvary's cross, that curse is broken in Jesus' name. And we will rise to live the, the, the true story, the story of righteousness in and through us, God. As you have designed us and created us for, God. Those purposes to live with you in relationship, to live with one another in relationship, God. And to not be that person, Lord, that this world has squeezed into its mold and written into its story, God. No more. We are done with that. And God, I speak that to our entire congregation, whether they moved up to the front of this church or not. We are done living down to the world's story. And God, we choose to live up to the King of kings and the Lord of glory, God. We choose to live up to your purpose and your destiny in us and upon us, God. And we will not settle for anything less. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, thank you for loving us enough to put us here for such a time as this. Do you realize that, folks? Do you understand that? He thought so much of you and me that he put us here for such a time as this in human history. What an incredible gift that is from God. So stop looking at your shortcomings. Stop wishing you were a certain way. Embrace what God has created you to be and you to accomplish and live it out with everything you've got. Run with that with a furious pace. Don't look back. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. You look at God and you run to him just as Peter looked at Jesus out there on the sea and he began to walk to him. You walk, you run, you move to God and the purposes he has for you. And your life will never be the same. And neither will the lives of those that rub shoulders with you, that come into contact with you because you are God's story living out in the flesh here on this earth. Wow. Take that today. Take that today because that's the word of God for you, for all of you in this moment. Embrace that. Live your true self. And your true self is in the truth of who God is and who he created you to be. And right now, right now, would you just declare that in song as we lift up the name of Jesus in worship. Would you do me a favor right now all across this room, whether you're up here at your seats, lift your hands up, lift your hearts up, put your eyes towards heaven, and begin to sing God's song right now and declare it together, church.